open your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews, the first chapter. Hebrews, the first chapter. And I was studying the book of Hebrews, and it's such an interesting book. And again, it, it, what's so interesting about the book is that in Hebrews, we'll read the first couple of verses here. And then, and as you as you just flow through all the chapters, how they so flow together in regards to uh, in, in regards to um, our lives, our journey as Christians, and paralleling it paralleling it to the children of Israel journeying through the wilderness. And um, one of the most interesting uh, phrases is in the first chapter, uh, verse one. It says this in the King James: Now God, who at sundry times and in divers manners different times and in different ways, in many manners. He, the Bible said he spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. So he's specifically saying here now, there was a time when God spoke to his people through the prophets. He's, re, it's, he's referring to the Old Testament. If God wanted to get a message to his people, the children of Israel, the Jewish nation, he, he did so through the prophets. He spoke, uh, the spirit of God would come upon the prophets and they would speak the very heart of God or the will of God for Israel. Now, once they spoke that word, then Israel, they were responsible at that moment to believe that word, embrace it, and obey it. How many believe that is the case today, that when God speaks to us, we need to believe it and we need to obey it? Everybody say amen to that? And a lot of times, you know, we... we we, we think, you know, obedience is uh, something light to take, but it isn't. When God instructs you in his word, he teaches you something, gives you, we talked about revelation knowledge last week uh, on Sunday. Um, when he does that for you, it's for a purpose. It's just not to make you feel good. It's to prepare you for what's ahead. For every battle that you face, God has an answer for that battle. And, and it's found in his word. It's found in the Bible, the word of God. And um, see, so many Christians always say, you know, what is God's will for my life? God's will for your life is very simple, very simple. Not simple to attain to, but it's very simple. It's to be Christ-like. <laughs> People are always saying, you know, what does God will for my life? It's to be Christ-like. Amen. Now, I was thinking about this, you know. If you can't sell water in the desert, don't be a salesman. Because <laughs> obviously, there's something missing. So, meaning God has gifted everyone in different ways. And when you're walking with him, he'll literally fit you into exactly where you're to be. You know, when I was a young man, and I'm talking about 20, uh, 20 I was 20, um, 19, I was 22 years old. And um, I, was, um, uh, I was married, had a little, our first daughter, Amy. And uh, really struggling. I was just really breaking loose from the drug culture. And... Um, uh, I had a guy come through. Um, his name was Jeff Jeffries. <laughs> That's just a funny name. Uh, Jeff Jeffries was his name. And he came through uh, uh, Montevideo, Minnesota. And, um, you know, the old saying, I was so broke, I couldn't pay attention. And so he came and he hired me to work, uh, uh, him help him load and unload a truck. And he was telling me how much money I made. Well, you know, I was, I mean, I was struggling, didn't know what to do. And, but I felt compelled to search that out. So I called Mayflower. And uh, ended up, uh, that was in the summer, by, by January uh, 31st, 1972, just the night before uh, uh, the, the new year, I was in Indianapolis, Indiana, training and driving a semi-truck to become a truck driver over the road. And so that's what I did for nine years. And I loved it. It was a tremendous, uh, I was just, remember, and, and I, it's true, 
I, was, I weighed 126 pounds when I went into the boom business. You know, I was so skinny, I didn't reflect a shadow. I mean, it was just... <laughs> and, and yet, God puts me in the moving business. In fact, this is, this is absolutely true. The first job I went to, I pulled up with my truck, and I knocked on the door, and the lady came out and said, here, I'm, I, I, I'm here to move you. She goes, you're not moving me. I said, yes, I am. I had my Mayflower shirt on. I looked Mayflower. My Mayflower jeans on. I even had a Mayflower watch with a ship would tick around there. It was really, I mean. And, and she goes, you're not moving me. I said, yes, I am. No, you're not. You're not, you're not able to. Look at you. You're not able to move me. And, um, <clears throat> but I proved her wrong. But I did that for nine years. And really, really, God really blessed us in that. Worked very hard. Ended up owning a Mayflower franchise. Um, out of that and just uh, did wonderful. But there came a day where there came a change in, 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 in um, professions. And, um, but it came by the Spirit. I did not, I did not wish to be a preacher. Um, I felt in my heart when I, was, when I was younger that God was, when I first got saved, that, that God had something. But, but I was, the something he had for me, I was during the trucking business. What was I? I was a light. I shared Christ with many, many people. You, you know, when you get into people's underwear drawers, you get very close to them. <laughs> yeah, you're on, lighten up a little bit. You're, you're, you're unpacking all their drawers, putting them in boxes and stuff. And so, you know, it becomes a very personal thing. And, and so it was really great, great how God would open the doors. I wasn't just pushing myself on people. I'd just work hard, and then they would ask questions, and I would share with many of them and had a great opportunity to be a light with many people during those years. And then there came a transition in my life. And, and, uh, but it hasn't changed the fact that just because you're a minister doesn't change the fact that my, my calling in life is to be a man of God. All the men say amen. amen. Vicky's calling in life was to be a woman of God, to be a good mother, to be a good wife and to be a now a good grandmother can i have an amen? amen and so life is all about relationship it's all about being christ-like the best you can in in the in 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 where you're at in your life at this time uh, i'm so grateful that god is so gracious and so patient and the bible actually uses the word long suffering that he's he's willing to put up with the temporal aspects of our life until we get it together He's very long-suffering. How many are glad that God's long-suffering? Amen. And so, uh, so in that time, we keep coming to church. We keep, you know, sitting under the word. You know, we keep listening to preachers, you know, and growing in grace and truth and so that we can become more Christ-like. Say more Christ-like. Amen. Here in the book of Hebrews, it says, God, who at sun-dry times and in divers' manners, spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Now watch this. But in these last days hath in these last days spoken unto us, say, that's me, that's me. amen, unto us, everybody say, that's me. that's me, amen, unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the worlds, who, verse 3, being the brightness of God's glory, he was a reflection of God, okay, he was the glory of God in the earth, and the express image of God's person, and upholding all things by the power of, uh, and by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance 
excuse me, obtained a more excellent name than they. Okay, we'll just stop there. I wish, I kept reading, and it was so inspiring going through all of these, all of these wonderful chapters, chapter 2. Now, he talks here in verse or chapter 1 about that God speaks to us by his son, okay? And then in chapter 2, he says this now. Uh, though This ain't on the screen. I didn't put it here. But it says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. And the word slip there means leak out. It means to allow them to drift away from us. That's what that word means. So he's simply saying when God speaks to you, he's warning us, make sure now that you, 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 you walk out what he's teaching you so that you don't let those things drift away from your life so that you, you go back to what you were before you got saved. That's what he's saying there, okay? Now, the amplified, um, so oh, anyway, so God speaks to us by his son, Okay, well, if he speaks to us by the Son, would you all agree we need to find out what the Son is saying if God speaks to us through the Son? It's important now. That's why God gave us the Gospels. The Gospels, the Gospels reveal the person of Jesus, um, uh, the life of Jesus, but more importantly, the ministry of Jesus. That's what, that's what the Gospels teach. That's why when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's a lot of, there may be some repetitiveness to it, but it's for a reason. It's so that you become very familiar with what Jesus is saying. Now, we have, tw we have um, 27 books in the New Testament. We, we don't live by Old Testament uh, doctrine. We live by New Testament doctrine, right? But everything about the Old Testament doctrine it's types and shadows of the promised redeemer of the New Testament, okay, that Jesus would come through the Israelites to the Jews, which he did. But now there are 27 books in the New Testament, and four of them are the Gospels, and 23 of, right, 23? 23 of them then would be, would be written by different men. And I wrote down the men just to means as I don't miss anybody, um, where are they at? I don't know where they're at. Well, I'll just guess. I'll, I'll look in my Bible. I just don't want to miss him. So, so these men were inspired by the Holy Spirit, and they wrote these letters. Okay, I'll just read them off here. There, you, got, you have um, Paul. He wrote Corinthians. Paul wrote Galatians. Paul wrote Ephesians. Paul wrote Philippi, Philippi, uh, Philippians. Paul wrote Colossians. Paul wrote um, to the church at Thessalonica. He, uh, and then there's Timothy. He wrote to Timothy 1 and 2. And then there's Titus, Philemon, and, and then the book of Hebrews. And then there's James, um, who wrote a book. And then, then Peter wrote two. And, and, and John, the beloved, who wrote John's gospel, wrote John 1, 2, and 3. And then there's Jude. And then there is Revelation. So all, and what, uh, written by John. And so all these books in the New Testament, these epistles or these letters, they teach us on how to live as Christians. Without them, we wouldn't know. Uh, through Jesus, we know the emphasis of Jesus' ministry was to live an upright life, a life of faith, and a life of love. But he got, Paul even went into more detail about that in his letters. He spent 13 years uh, uh, completely separated from, don't, doesn't say where he was, 
but he was separated completely from all the church when he got this glorious thing called salvation on the road to Damascus. And he literally, Jesus sat with him and instructed him to write all these letters. Is that amazing or what? So when he stepped into the arena, into the arena of preaching the gospel, then he was equipped and very confident of what God had told him. And in fact, he said in the book of um, Galatians, he said, if anybody preaches any gospel other than what I've taught you, let him be accursed. Either he's completely full of pride or he's very confident of what he got. Can I have an amen? See, there, there are all, just like today, there are all sorts of winds of doctrine going on out there. And, and uh, pre some pre people preaching that Christ hadn't come, the, uh, the Messiah hadn't come. Some, uh, uh, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. And so there were lots of, uh, then there were Jews teaching that you, you need to be born again, but you have to keep the law. So there's so many things going on that, and, then, and in fact, in the book of Judah, it says that there were people teaching that you can live a, a life of sexual, um, a life of sexual compromise and, and still be blessed by God. I mean, there's so many things going on, and so the Apostle Paul had to write these letters. Amen. Now, let me read the Amplified. It says this. In many separate, this is Hebrews 1, verse 1. In many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth. It was, the Old Testament was like a puzzle. And, you know, and all the prophets had a certain piece of puzzle setting out. And all of a sudden, the puzzle is laid out. What does it see? What does it show? Jesus, the Messiah. Isn't that beautiful? And, and so he says, uh, and in different ways, God spoke. Oh, let me say it again. In many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth. And in different ways, God spoke of old to our forefathers in and by the prophets. But in the last of these days, he has spoken to us in the person of a son. I know a lot of times people travel from, from, from one, ministry to another, look, one ministry to another looking for a word from God. Why don't you go ahead and read all 66 books and get them into your heart? Then you won't have to worry about getting a word from any man. I'm just saying, you know, we just have to be, you know, people that do that, they're immature. They, they don't realize that they really are being, uh, it's misconduct on their part. And the Bible says, now, he has spoken to us in these last days. Isn't that interesting that the last days, the last days started back in the book of Acts. We talk about the last days, but we are in the last hours of the last days. Now, now mind you, I... I know that that's very, that's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's really true. Because if, if, if the church dispensation is only 2,000 years, and it started, and, and it started in, at Jesus' ministry, and now we here, are here today in the year 2020, we, are, we may be a couple hundred years, but may not be. We are living in the last hours of the last days. Okay, and so what does that mean? That means you and I really are, we are really, God is, God is expecting us to raise our standard of commitment to him even of greater than they did in those days. The deceivers would come out and be magnified. All sorts of things would be in these last days to try to move the, the believer away from the Lord. But we don't have to be afraid of that. If we walk close to the Lord, we'll recognize every counterfeit that comes. Can I have an amen? amen. So I just wanted you to see that. The last days he spoke to us in the person of his son, whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things. 
also by and through whom he created the worlds and the reaches of space and the ages of time. Watch this. He made, produced, built, operated, and arranged them in order. So, and I thought that was really cool that Jesus, uh, deity sometimes can be confusing to the, to the natural mind. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, three in one, and each one has a different, uh, uh, operates on, uh, you know, different callings. Um, God is the designer, uh, you know, Jesus is the word, he's the created word, he, the Bible says that Jesus is the word, in the big John 1, in the beginning was the word. the word, and the word Christ was with God, and the word was God, and all things were created by the word, isn't that something? So, every created thing came by the spoken word of God through the ministry of Jesus, uh, I, I want to read this and put it up here, Colossians 1. This is beautiful. I didn't want to, I thought I'd skip this, but let's look at it. Now, Christ is, watch this, the exact likeness of the unseen God. Oh, man, that's good. You catch that? The exact likeness. He existed before God made anything at all. And in fact, Christ himself is the creator who made everything in heaven and earth, the things we can see and the things we can't see. He's the creator of the spirit world with its kings and kingdoms, its rulers and authorities. All were made by Christ for his own use and glory. Isn't that beautiful? Now, he was before all else began. Now, and again, let's not confu get confused about the names. What does the name Christ mean? Thank you. Say the anointed one. The anointed. Amen. That's what it means, the anointed one. You know, it's the anointed one. So if a person in Africa doesn't know the name of Jesus, but said, oh God, I believe you're the anointed one, who do you think he's talking to? I'm just saying, I'm not trying to be. I, so it's the anointed one. Yes, Jesus is the name above every name, but I just want you to understand, Jesus is the word Jehoshua, it means, it means God delivers, and Christ means God delivers with the anointed one, or through the anointed one, okay? And now he goes on and says, he was before all else began, and it is his power that holds everything together. He's the head of the body made up of his people. That is the church. Say, I am the church. Which he began, and he is the leader of all those who arise from the dead. So that he is the first in everything. And I love this, this translation. For God wanted all of himself to be in his son. Isn't that powerful? God wanted all of himself to be in his son. Well, you know... There are certain things, I guess, in my life I have strength, and there are certain things I don't like about my life. But what makes me proud if I see some of the good things in my life in my kids? I don't like, you know, I wouldn't want some of the weak, the frailty part of my life to be manifest. I want the good things in my life. Well, Jesus was all the good of God, all the good that makes God God was in the ministry of Jesus. So how many agree that it's important that we know this man, Jesus, so we can receive all the good things of God? Turn, if you would, to um, Luke, the fourth chapter. Now, so he spoke to us by his son. So let's find out what the son said. 
Now, in the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, we know, and we, I don't want to go through it. I almost did, but I, no, I won't tonight we'll pray because I want to pray for you. And, but uh, in Luke, the fourth chapter, we know that Jesus went through 40 days of temptation of the wilderness. He was tempted to, to three he was tempted in three areas or three arenas of his life, uh, of life that we're all tempted with. We're all tempted in three arenas. Just remember, only three arenas are you tempted in. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, you'll find that in 1 John, the second chapter, verses 15 through 17, the Amplified really brings it out beautiful. So those are the three areas of life that we are tempted in. Lust, the, the definition of lust is, is, is um, um, longing for that which is forbidden. That's what it means, longing for that which is forbidden. We all have appetites. We all have, we all have fleshly appetites. We all have them. So don't think you're alone when it comes to, you know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life. We all have to deal with these arenas, okay? And Jesus was tempted in all three of those areas and conquered all three of them through three words. Anybody tell me what the three words he conquered those in? You get, some of you are good. Say it is written. That's how he conquered those temptations, by speaking out what God declared, not what his passions were. He had the same passions. He was tempted, the Bible says in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, he was tempted in all ways like as we are, yet without sin. So what does that even mean? That means, what that means for us is that we have one who conquered those things for us, listen, but was touched with those infirmities, so he has compassion on us when we're tempted in the same areas. Aren't you glad God does not just come down with condemnation on our lives? The devil does, but God doesn't. I'm so grateful for that. So let's look at, I've got to hurry here. Oh, this is good. Luke 4. Are you getting anything out of this tonight? I'm just, Luke 4 says this. This, this is the Amplified. Here's what, this is what Jesus said after those 40 days of fasting. After he conquered those three arenas of temptation, he says this. The, and the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Okay? He says, because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news. Say good news. Good news. Amen. Good news, which means the gospel. And I added this because it, it literally means this. He, he, he preached the good news to the spiritually poor. He sent me to announce release to the spiritual captives. And recovering of sight to the spiritually blind. Would you all agree if you were healed of your blindness, but you didn't receive Christ, what is it worth at all going to hell with good 2020 vision? It's all spiritual. Yes, the natural, the nat yes, the natural was part of the blessing, but the most important thing is that you be changed on the inside first. Amen. I mean, I just want you to know that this was, was all about to send forth. As delivered, those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, and crushed, broken down by calamity. Amen. That's what he came for. I don't know about you, but I can relate to every one of those. Because in certain measures, you experience those just going through this life. Okay? So, the prophetic promises of Jesus were always to deliver us, to set us free from whatever we're in bondage to, whatever it is. And you know what? I was in bondage to, you know. I was in bondage to sexual uh, uh, immorality when I was a child because I was molested by my grandfather at, at, I don't know, three, four years old, you know. And it just literally destroyed my whole childhood. 
Now, I forgave him even before he died. But the fact is, that conduct so corrupted my life that I never, ever thought I'd live to be 20 years old. Never, ever thought I could ever have a normal life. Never, ever thought that there would be, could be any way of deliverance. And yet, God is God. And he can deliver you and set you free. And put your, put your life on a good path. Isn't that beautiful? My daddy was bound by alcoholism. And no alcoholism, I'm sorry, it's not a disease. It becomes a disease, but it's not a disease. It's an addiction. Just like drugs, it's an addiction. It can end up diseasing your life. But if they call it a disease, then you can blame someone else. Yeah, I got that from my mom. No, you didn't. That just came by the devil. You signed the package. You put that to your lips, and look where you're at. I'm just saying, I'm not trying to be insensitive because I, out, out, of, out of four brothers of my daddy, four brothers, three were alcoholics. So all that was, that, all that was coming down the lineage. Coming down the lineage. I'm next. God, if you've ever suffered, you'd never want your children to suffer over anything like that. Never. So I'm so grateful to the Lord. I'm so grateful that he literally can take a life and heal it, heal it and make it come out for his glory. Now, am I, am I perfect? No, no, I still have challenges in life. I, you know, you get attacked in your mind of all sorts of uh, things in your life, but I don't ever, I want to stay right in the center of my walk with God. Amen. Praise God, I mean, I really do. I mean, for his glory, not your, I mean, I'm, I'm going to try to live for God for you. I have to live for God for me. But hopefully, by doing that, I can be an example to somebody that there's hope on the other side of bondage. Can I have an amen? Because Jesus does want to set us free. Hallelujah. How many have ever been set free from something? Raise your hand. So you have a testimony. You have a testimony. Uh, what is the testimony? That God is so good, he set me free. And guess what? He'll set you free. Can I have an Amen. Now go to Luke, and we'll just read a couple of verses. I'm going to pray for you real quick before we leave tonight. Luke, the fourth chapter. Now, we know that faith, according to Hebrews 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if you're sick, you never, you never pray, oh, God, please make me sick, because that's not in your DNA. I mean, you can be stupid, and your DNA will tell you, I want to be well. Can I have an Amen. You know, now, sometimes you may think you deserve being sick for maybe a lifestyle you've been living, and, uh, and, and that there may be result, that might be the fruit of a disobedient life or careless life, but, but, um, <clears throat> but God wants you free, but you want to be free. Say, I want to be free. Amen. And, and um, so it comes through faith. Well, where does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And write this in your Bible. If you don't have it, if you have your Bible, it, and I love this phrase because it's in a powerful phrase. Faith begins where the will of God is known. It really does. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And when you study it, and we're going to read this scripture in the Luke, the fourth chapter, after Jesus told this wonderful story about what he came to do, then he goes on in Luke, the fourth chapter, and he does some of the very things that he said he came to do. In Luke, the fourth chapter, and, uh, and here, here, let's read a little bit of it, and we're going to pray for you tonight. I just want to pray. I wanted to pray tonight. It's a nice small crowd. Sometimes small crowds are wonderful for corporate faith. 
Because how many, how many, if we pray for people tonight, how many will believe for their deliverance and their freedom? Amen. And, and look the fourth chapter, and look at this. Okay, let's, um, let's read um, verse 32. And they were astonished, Luke 4, at his doctrine, for his word was with power. His, he said, his word was life-changing. And they, and, and in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. And the Bible says he cried out with a loud voice. And what did he say? Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. Demons know who Jesus is. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold that peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And the Bible says they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And I do believe that we are living in a time when people are demon-possessed and they need to be free. And the fame of him went out to every place of the countryside. Well, they sure did. Why? Because people were being set free. Now, he rose out of the synagogue, entered into Simon's house. Simon's, wife was, Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. Say he rebuked the fever. How many have ever had a fever? Raise your hand if you had a fever. Okay. Well, just start practicing. <laughs> See, yeah, just practice. Just say this out loud. Fever. fever. I, rebuke I rebuke you in Jesus' name. In Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, Jesus didn't say or said he didn't add or, or, or he didn't say anything about you, you uh, don't take medicine. He didn't say anything about that. He just rebuked the fever. Say, fever, fever. I, rebuke I rebuke you in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. See, you're practicing. Yeah. So if your wife or your husband gets a fever, don't say you deserve it. Don't say that. Say fever. <laughs> say fever. I re- that was supposed to be a little funnier than. <laughs> say fever, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Say it. Not, not say it with authority. <laughs> oh, that's good. You should be up here. Just, I can feel it. Hallelujah. Amen. See, sometimes we think, oh, I didn't work that time, so we'll just quit. No, you just keep practicing. I prayed for people. I have. I prayed for people, and they were healed. It was just awesome. To God be the glory, because there's nothing in these Norwegian hands. Then I pray for people that have died. Who would like to be prayer tonight? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I've <laughs> got three people coming forward. <laughs> no. I'm just saying, you have to trust God. You pray, trust him with the results. Amen. But at least pray. Let's go on just for a few minutes. We'll read a couple more things. And the Bible says, when the sun, verse 40, was setting, all they that had sickness with diverse diseases brought them unto Jesus. He laid his hands on them, and, and, and some of them were healed. What's it say? All of them. Every one of them were healed. Every one of them were healed. He didn't stop and ask them about their background, about their culture, about their behavior. I'm serious. He didn't ask. He just, he healed them. 
How many believe Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? The, all the Bible says he is. So we believe that, okay? Hallelujah. And devils also came out of many crying and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. He rebuked them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was the anointed one. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place, and the people sought him. I bet they did. And came unto him and stayed him, that he should not depart from them. And he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God in other cities also, for therefore I am I sent. Okay? And he preached in the synagogues. Now, we have seen through the years, I want to, I got to close here because I want to take time to pray. But you've seen enough evidence just right there what Jesus was coming to tell us, okay? He spoke to us by his son, God did. And that's just what he said. The spirit of the Lord is on me and he's anointed me to heal. Oh, on one verse, I just want to, I wrote this verse down, so let me read it. To, go to, real quick, uh, uh, up there, um, please. I don't even know who's running that. Is that Crystal? Oh. <laughs> Hi, Tina. James 5. Because now this is going to create in you an atmosphere of faith, okay? Watch this now. This is James 5, verse 13 to the Amplified. Is, any among, is anyone among you afflicted, ill-treated, suffering evil? What should he do? What should he do? Come on, let's participate. He should what? Amen. Is anyone glad at heart? He should what? Sing praises to God. Isn't that cool? Now, is anyone among you sick? He should call... He should call in the church elders, the spiritual guides, and they should pray over him, anointing him with oil in the Lord's name. And the prayer that is of faith will save. That word save means will heal him, okay, who is sick. And the Lord will restore him. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Is that awesome? Did you know that a lot of people that come forward for healing and they think they, 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 they can't get it because they have transgressed. He just said, if you commit any sin, you'll be forgiven. Come on, lift your hands and give him praise. I think that's so awesome. In other words, there's no boundaries but you alone. There's no boundaries but, you, but, your, but your unbelief. He didn't say, and if you commit any sins, he won't get healed. It didn't say that. Now, that doesn't mean we should practice sin, but it means, my goodness, every day of our lives, we're messing up somehow, some way. And, but God said, man, come to church, let the elders anoint you with oil, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick, and God will raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, he'll be forgiven. Come on, give him praise for that. Hallelujah. That's what he says. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, love this. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, and your sins. And pray also for one another, that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Let's stand. I want the musicians to come forward, so we're going to pray.